0: I mean, that ball got out of here in a hurry. Just a bit outside. Anything travels that far to have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think?
1: It's time for Powell at the Park. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Cubs,
0: Sox, all your Chicago baseball news.
1: Dynamite drop in money. Here's your host, Kevin Powell. Play ball! It
2: is episode number five of the Powell at the Park podcast. I'm Kevin Powell. Appreciate you tuning in. Over a month already of this podcast. Hopefully you're enjoying it. I've had some pretty good feedback from it. I've been uh, floating the idea of starting a just a podcast Gmail account. So if people want to email in, tell me how much they love it, how much they hate it, uh, whatever you guys want, just like a, kind of a place where you could... Send ideas, or maybe we could do sort of like a mailbox thing somewhere down the road, but uh, stay tuned there. On today's episode, Tony Andraki, NBC Sports Chicago, he covers the Cubs. Kind of a weird start for the Cubs. Obviously, we're not overreacting. It's only been a, a week or so, but not an ideal start. We'll talk to Tony about that. And then I had a good conversation with White Sox radio analyst Darren Jackson. Uh, great to talk to DJ. We talk about this White Sox rebuild, get his early impressions of what he's seen from the Sox so far. So Tony Andraki, Darren Jackson, the guests for this week's episode. And uh, I like to start off every, every episode with um, just something that's kind of caught my eye or caught my ear over the past week. Last week I did about 15 minutes on f- ballpark food, which... The only reaction I really got from people was, damn you, now I'm very hungry after hearing that. So I, I don't know if that went well or if it was a complete disaster. All I apparently just made a bunch of people uh, hungry. So um, I've been trying to think of a name of like what I should call the opening segment. Couldn't really think of anything, um, but I think we're going to go with The Rundown kind of got the baseball tie to it, so we'll start every show now, and as I've said, th- this this podcast is going to continue to build, we'll have different segments and things like that, but I do want to have certain things that are, we use from episode to episode, you know, I've started basically every show with um, just sort of a hodgepodge of stuff, um, things I saw from the past week, so uh, we're going to go with the rundown, and at some point I'll have some fancy schmancy production piece to to fire in here, and then we'll launch the segment. So this is the rundown. We'll start with this. And what caught my eye, caught my ear, the Braves organist, Matthew Kaminsky. Pretty outstanding troll job of Bryce Harper. Matthew Kaminsky um, plays the organ at Suntrust Park. Yeah, Bryce Harper, the Nationals were in Atlanta taking him on. Bryce Harper's walking to the plate, and Kaminsky plays this on the organ. 34,
0: Bryce Harper.
2: That's pretty good. That is pretty good from Kaminsky. A little go Cubs go as Bryce Harper walks up to the plate. Uh, of course, Bryce Harper, a pending uh, free agent at the end of this year, hundreds of millions of dollars he's going to get, and the uh, Cubby faithful, almost to a creepy status, troll Harper and basically look for any sort of clue or indication that Harper may be coming to the sh- to Chicago. But honestly, when you kind of add up everything that people have collected during Bryce Harper watch, Harper to the Cubs watch, it is kind of <laughs> it is kind of apparent he wants to come to Chicago. Dog's name is Wrigley. Uh, he posted a picture on social media leaving Wrigley Field after the NLDS. One of the games, I think it was game, was it, game four, I believe. And it, the picture said, "Man, uh, until next time, I love this place." And it was a picture of the marquee at Wrigley. Um, He's been spotted at Blackhawks games. He was wearing a Blackhawks t-shirt, a Bulls hat. Their wives are great friends. They've posted stuff on social media. Fans want it, and we are more than good with this idea. And then it's a picture of their their wives together. Hashtag Harper to the Cubs. Um, And then, of course, Harper and Bryant grew up in Vegas. They played together when they were kids. Peter Gammons reported in the past that Bryce Harper would really prefer to play for the Cubs so we'll see Um, I actually talked about this a little bit more at length about how serious the Cubs are about signing Harper even if it does mean dishing out $400 million is it realistic for the Cubs to actually go get Bryce Harper Uh, we dive into that Tony and I do Um, so stay tuned there that's the rundown The organist, Matthew Kaminsky, for the Atlanta Braves, trolling Bryce Harper as he walked to the plate. And as I said, he also played New York, New York, because people just, there's a big fish free agent, of course, the New York team you figure is going to be involved in the conversation at least a little bit. So that's the rundown, but it's time for for our first guest, Darren Jackson, the White Sox radio analyst. Uh, Of course, you can hear him on WGN now, all the White Sox games on WGN. Darren Jackson was kind enough to join me and had a conversation about the Sox rebuild and his initial thoughts of the Sox in 2018. All right, early impressions of the 2018 White Sox. What sticks out to you so far?
0: Well, you know, the theme all spring training, Kevin, was uh, 27 outs. Get the 27 outs. And Ed and I have been discussing this first few games. I talked to Rick Renteria and... um, it's all about minimizing your mistakes. Uh, defensively, you've got to try and go 27 straight outs with no flaws. And that's the focus. And I think I told him yesterday, I told Rick Renteria yesterday, I said, you know, I've never really focused on that because it was something new that I'd seen them doing this spring. And he said, no, no, this has been going on. I go, well, never around me in baseball. So it's new to me. And it makes me now take notice of every single time a guy fields a ball and the deep gap out against the fence, turns around, throws it to the cutoff man. What exactly are their position? Are they perfectly lined up? These are all things that I've always known, but I take even more notice of it now. If the throws a short hop, did he pick it? Because the focus all spring training was every throw should be perfect to the cutoff man. The secondary cutoff man shouldn't even come into play. You turn, you throw, communicate. So I'm paying attention to all these things. And uh, so far, there's no way they've been close to doing that. But that's where they're going to create their growth. All of a sudden, they're going to know, all right, and they're taking accountability. That's what Rick told me. When they make a mistake, he starts to walk to them and they go, I know, I did this, I did that. So um, it's making the players better, and that's the key. These guys have to keep getting better every day.
2: Well, it's, that's the interesting part of it where... Look, I don't think many of our of, of us are anticipating a, a, a postseason run or anything like that, but who knows? They could surprise. But there is an absolute serious interest from the fan base, from the baseball world, because of where they are with these core guys, your Tim Anderson's Moncada, Giolito. You can be you can be bad and interesting or bad and uninteresting. So even if the Sox are losing, I think Sox fans are, are are paying a much closer attention to all those twenty-seven outs. Even if they are losing games, even if it's not a close game, I think there's there's reason to watch and pay close attention to the 2018 White Sox. You
0: know, I think that's a great analogy: bad or interesting, bad or uninteresting, and that's the key for this team. They want to be interesting, and the talent is there with the core players. You also have some guys that already are just kind of honing and tweaking and doing their thing. They're veterans, like Avi Garcia can play. You you know, he's just – it's a daily grind of tweaking and adjusting to whatever is going on that day. You also have Abreu and Wellington Castillo. These guys know what to do, but they're just making slight adjustments uh, to their their routines. The other guys are still learning day in and day out, but I think it will be interesting because – We've got to see that growth. We can't keep repeating ourselves as broadcasters and coaching staffs and organizations saying, yeah, he made the same mistake time and time again, because that should get you a demotion. If you're not getting better on a regular basis at the big league level, then you have to go down and hone your skills at the minor league level again. So we're trying to avoid that. Watch these guys grow here at this level and be interesting.
2: Yeah, there's so much to dissect with the the Sox now. I could talk, talk to you for a whole hour, Darren, about about uh, certain players <laughs> and this rebuild. And, and before we get into, I guess, some of the, the younger guys and, and get your thoughts on, on them, I, I look at a guy like Jose Abreu, and you look at the numbers he's put up the last four years, they're almost unprecedented around baseball where he's just been so steady and consistent. Basically, 30 homers and 100 RBIs is what you're going to get from Jose Abreu. I'm curious as to... What you think his long-term future with the Sox is, and do you think he does fit into this rebuild, and, and will he be around when the championship window does open up?
0: You know, I kind of look at him as the second coming of a Paul Canerco. So, yeah, I I think you would want him around, especially in the direction where we have the talent without so many Latin players. He's your guy. He's a quiet leader. He's a professional. And when you watch him day in and day out, if you're a younger player, you're going, wow, this guy is perfectionist. He doesn't waste his time out here. He puts the max effort into all of his practice. His focus is high every game. Even if he's swinging at bad pitches, that's just because – he's off. But his his approach, his thought process is all good. I would love to see him around when this team is finally in a position to try and compete for the division and then go to the postseason and, and try and win a World Series. But, you know, that's business. That's the hard part for any of us to try and predict. That's, you know, we've already seen the best of the best of the White Sox move out of here and get the returns for the future. But, I personally would love to see Jose here uh, his whole career. He's the kind of guy that you like having around, simple as that, in more ways than one. And I'll tell you what, he's a manager's best friend, too, because he's on board with whatever the manager's trying to sell. If he says, we need to do this, we need to do that, he's going to shake his head, I'm on board, let's go do it. So, you know, he's one of those guys, you said, you could talk about him all you want, but uh, for me, he sticks around.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the way he leads with, with some of the younger guys and the Latin players, and particularly Yoan Moncada, fellow Cuban. So let's go from the veteran to a younger guy in Moncada. I've had this conversation with a few people about Moncada, and I've said that I, I have no reservations that he's going to be a great baseball player. I'm just not sure yet what sort of player he's going to be. He's leading off now, but is he a middle-of-the-order guy who's going to hit you 30 home runs? How do you project Moncada for the long term in his, uh, in his career?
0: Hey, look! In a perfect world, he stays in the leadoff spot for the next fifteen years for the White Sox because he's got the potential—I mean, Hall of Fame potential. It's not, and that's not stretching it at all because you don't have many five tool guys that come around and he's that he has power from the left side the right side speed um he's got a great arm he's just a player that when you acquire him you have to be patient and let him get his repetitions he's got to get the ground balls he's got to get the swings he's got to learn the pitchers um I, i just see him being the guy that uh you know, Roberto Alomar type player, maybe maybe not with the instincts yet that Roberto had at a young age, but the similar type player with way more power than Robbie had. But I watch him. I watch him take batting practice. His approach is good from the first time that I saw him take batting practice. Same thing with Jose Abreu. You had the best approach in batting practice, which he takes into the game. And when you see how a guy practices, that's what you need to see. What does he do when he practices? Is he wasting his time? Is he, is he all of a sudden trying to just hit home runs? He never gets outside of being a professional in his practice, which is a key to let you know that he's taken this serious and he doesn't want to waste his time. He wants to be as quick as he can at the big league level learning and try and be a star for this team as soon as possible.
2: Well, one of the guys he's built a relationship with when I was on spring training, it was, it was, these two were basically arm in arm the entire time. And Tim Anderson, Moncada and Anderson seem to really have built a bond. Um, they seemed to be having fun together. Tim Anderson, Darren, you, you know what he went through last year. He lost his best friend who was gunned down in a parking lot back in Alabama. Um, he was quiet. He was reserved. You could tell he was down last year, and then this spring he's like a whole new guy. I think he's at peace. He's, you know, he he seems upbeat and happy. Incredible amount of talent there. Um, you know, I, I I was anticipating a huge season from Tim Anderson this year. Curious as to what you've seen from TA so far, and, and do you do you agree that you, you do see big things for him this season and, and even long term.
0: Well, his raw, natural ability is astounding as an athlete. So he's fun to watch just because of his athleticism, that's for sure. But you're going to still see some hiccups. He made an error last night, got a little quick, a little rushed. And I just Mm -hmm. talked to him the other day about, does he have the ability to slow things down yet? And, And by that, it's, when you get to the big leagues at first you think you got to just be fast you got you got to get to the ball fast you got to swing go get the ball out in front of home plate quickly you get, it's the opposite of that you got to let the ball come to you defensively be under control and calm and he's not at that stage yet but he said he's there that's something he's working on he understands what what it means is everything slowing down for you right now he and i had a conversation about it he feels confident that he's getting there But We have to see it on the field. So I think Tim's just a raw talent that just needs to slow down a little bit. He's going to hit. He's going to hit for power. He's going to drive the ball. He's showing off his speed with a couple of stolen bases in last night's game. Uh, I'm a big Tim Anderson fan, but at the same time, I know that he's still going to make some mistakes because his natural instinct, especially defensively, is – to be in a bit of a hurry. So he's forcing himself to slow things down. He's just not like uh, uh, Omar Vizquel at shortstop where everything's just smooth and easy. It's going to look like he's having trouble with some balls that are routine, and then he's going to show more range than any other shortstop in baseball and make a highlight player. You're going to go, are you kidding me? Yeah. So that's what makes him really fun to watch because, honestly, you don't know what you're going to get, but it's going to probably be something that excites you.
2: So do you think he, he can be an everyday shortstop? for the next five, ten years? Or would potentially moving him to the outfield or something like that be, be in the picture? Do you see him as the White Sox shortstop of the future?
0: Um, I, I, I haven't said that to myself yet. I haven't just said Tim Anderson's going to be here five years from now at shortstop. I also haven't said that he's not going to be. I'm kind of laying back in the wings right now because of the 28 errors he made last year. I need him. I need him to show me he can, as we were just discussing, slow down on the routine plays. And when I start seeing that and seeing all these, see him reach out in front and field some ground balls with ease rather than kind of stab at him at the last second and it looks like it's not the most comfortable thing, and everybody can see that, um, you know, then I'll say, oh, yeah, he's there. He can handle this. He doesn't feel like he has to hurry, and you cannot hurry at the position of shortstop. You've got to know what you're doing. Your instincts have to be in there, and I just don't see yet – that he's he's so instinctual at shortstop that it's his natural position. I just know he's a great athlete, and he can play the position, and he could probably be there 10 years from now, but that's a matter of if a club says, we're not worried about him making a miscue here and there.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Moving on to another guy who's off to a, a pretty good start. Um, to say the least. The Sox had six homers in the opener. Half of those were off the bat of Matt Davidson. Um, your, your thoughts on Matt Davidson, and do you think he can be uh, – I know I keep asking you about long-term for the Sox, but that's kind of where we are with this team. It, it is kind of projecting moving forward and sorting through different players and seeing where they fit into the puzzle. Does Matt Davidson move the needle for you? Do, can you see him long-term as, as a DH and kind of an uh, you a know, guy that you rotate in and out at third base or even first base?
0: Well, the, the, with the term long term, anyway, nowadays for me, it, it's uh, guys are just moving parts in this business now. So I don't see Matt necessarily as being here long term, but I do see him playing the big leagues quite a long time because his power is there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, It's a difficult job to try and establish yourself as a DH, and so far, first couple of games, he was able to handle that. I think the hardest transition for a younger player is to give up a a defensive position and just sit there in the dugout, watch the game, then go up and hit. Veterans can handle it better than young players. It's not the easiest thing to do when you feel you can help defensively when you're not swinging the bat well. So I'm kind of sitting here now waiting to see how he handles this new full-time role as D.H. He's going to have to get on the field and feel like he's part of things when he's not swinging the bat. Well, he's going to hit home run. He's as big and strong as anybody we have. Home runs to right, center, left is not a problem for him. How often is he going to make contact is a big key. He's going to strike out. Last night he had a tough night. I don't think he agreed with the strike zone of the home plate umpire. Struck out three times, a couple times looking. So, you know, there are those games like that but we have to kind of keep an eye on Matt and just make sure that he doesn't fall into a long slump where he's not making solid contact. Because when you see that as a manager, you have to go, okay, how do we make him better? Should we get him out on the field for a few games defensively? So he can clear his mind, feel like he's doing something positive. I mean, he, these are all the way and balance and keeping an individual where he's feeling like he's contributing. But as a DH, the only way you contribute is by swinging that stick. And it's not that easy for young players.
2: Let's move to the pitchers uh, quickly. Uh, Rinaldo Lopez, Zucas Giolito, Carson Fulmer. Those are the three Sox fans are, are most excited about. They they matter. They matter for the long term. It is a big year for for all of them. Um, I guess early impressions from you on, on Giolito and Lopez, who have already made one start, one start each.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I think they both were outstanding, to be honest with you, because Giolito, what a battle. I mean, he was almost 50-50, balls to strikes. If he threw 100 pitches, 50 were balls, 50 were strikes. And he still kept the team in the game. That shows me something. When you're, when you're not locked in as a pitcher, and a young pitcher like Lucas – um, and you still have the ability to keep your team in the game, that's impressive. I like those kind of outings from young players because I think that teaches you about their character and their competitiveness, and he's definitely a competitive guy. I honestly think he's going to be just fine. We saw Ronaldo Lopez, he's overpowering. I mean, last year when I saw him in spring training going into 2017 season, I was going, this guy needs to be on the team right now, today, mm-hmm. when I saw him in spring training. not My thought on him hasn't changed since. He's going to be somebody that just flat out dominates. Now, he's just like any other great starter. He's going to have a bad outing here and there, but I, I expect him, as long as he is around the plate, he's going to pile up some strikeouts and he's going to blow people away. He's just got too good of an arm not to be a future star on the staff.
2: Everybody wants to know when Eloy Jimenez and Michael Kopech will get the call up to the majors. Of course, um, (laughs) Jimenez, a a peck injury, so we'll see how that affects his timeline. Um, I guess if you could just guess, Darren, because everybody wants to know when these two will be brought up, and and Rick Hans really hasn't given an answer. He says they can force the issue. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. If you had a guess, Darren, when would you say those guys will be up on the big league club? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, so you go to Rick Hahn. Now you want me to figure it out. Yeah, kind of, yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right, well, um, look, I'm going with what I saw last year when it came to letting the top prospects spend some time down the minor leagues and still polish their skills. Kopech, he's probably going to go down to minor leagues, and he's going to dominate. Got a really good chance later this year to get called up to the big leagues because of his dominance. Um, Jimenez. I think he stays a whole year down in the minor leagues, maybe a September-type call-up. But I think you have to, I I do believe, especially when it comes to hitters, you have to let them get their at bats. You have to let them figure out how do you adjust to sliders when that's all they're throwing to you? How do you take a pitch away from these guys? And you learn that. By getting a certain amount of at-bats throughout your minor league career, if you rush guys they get to the big leagues, big league pitchers can pick you apart, make you feel bad about yourself. So you don't want that to happen to Jimenez, no matter how great his raw skill is and talent. Let him get his reputation. Let him get his at-bats. Give him the whole year down there. If, if he gets called up and does well, okay, if there's a spot up here in the big leagues, he makes the team next year. But you know already that the White Sox are not in a rush, no matter what anybody thinks or tries to say about, we got to win now. These guys got a long-term plan of when these younger players, they think should be ready to go now. Even with that being said, if these guys go down and they struggle... And we don't think that's going to be the case. That adds to their time down there still getting polished. We're anticipating these guys doing well, but even the best of the best players have something go wrong, and they just have tough years. Hopefully that's not the case for either of those two.
2: Those are the top two prospects. Before I let you go, DJ, uh curious as to, you know, I spent a couple of weeks out there at spring training, and, Keeping an eye on some of these prospects, and the guy who stood out to me was Dylan Cease. In terms of you know maybe a guy not everybody's talking about a whole lot. I mean he gets you know he gets some exposure and things like that, but guys like Kopech and Jimenez are getting the bulk of the attention. Is there somebody you saw in the spring that's in the Sox farm system that maybe stood out to you or isn't getting enough headlines and and not talked about enough?
0: Well, I'm going to just say two quick names, but then I'm going to talk about another guy, Uh, Luis Robert. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable talent. I couldn't believe what I saw from him. And uh, Bassabe. I couldn't believe what I saw from him. These guys really impressed, looked like they did not, you know, they didn't stand out as minor leaguers in big league camp, so that was really impressive. But a guy that I'm keeping an eye out on is Alec Hansen. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a guy that I look at and I go, huh. I don't know. I think he's going to surprise some people. I, I, I think he's a guy that we can talk about all the prospects in the world, the big names, the ones we all know, the hype-up. But he's a guy that might just creep right in. You're, you're, You're talking about a game being started tomorrow, and you're going to be talking about Hanson standing on the mound. He's my sleeper, I think, that's going to kind of get here a little quicker than most people are talking about.
2: He's Darren Jackson. You can hear him on the radio call WGN this entire season. Uh, DJ and Ed Farmer on the White Sox call will be in uh, Toronto for the finale tonight. Is that right? Yeah, tonight. And then home opener Thursday. Correct. Looking forward to that. Darren, really appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to seeing you out of the park this season.
0: All right, Kevin. Thank you for the time. You're the best. See you soon. Thanks, Darren. All right. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you to Darren Jackson for joining me. Appreciate uh, him coming on the show. You can hear DJ on every White Sox radio call, him and Ed Farmer. Thanks to Darren Jackson. Some great stuff there. All right, we go from White Sox talk to Cubs talk per usual. Always White Sox stuff and Cubs stuff on the podcast. So DJ on the Sox. Also had a chance to talk to my buddy Tony Andraki, a fellow Illinois State Redbird. Tony's with NBC Sports Chicago, and we talked about the Cubs' start to the season. We now talk to Tony Andraki from NBC Sports Chicago. He covers the Cubs for NBC Sports Chicago, and he does it well. More importantly, he's an Illinois State Redbird, uh, a fellow Redbird. So anytime I can get a Redbird on on the podcast, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that route, Tony.
1: Yeah, I hear you, man. Uh, I wish uh, I was Illinois State, maybe even over Loyola in the yeah. in the uh, NCAA tournament here, but you know we'll see him eventually. It's happy
2: for Loyola, but I do credit Illinois State for uh, kind of propelling them into the tournament after they lost in the MVC tournament. I feel like it was Illinois State does deserve some credit there.
1: Oh, absolutely. I've been saying the same thing, bragging about it. (laughs) All right,
2: let's talk some baseball, Tony. Um, You cover the Cubs closely. It's only been five games so far. We're not going to go over reaction after one or two series of baseball. But I guess what stood out for you so far, whether it's a positive or negative? What's the one thing when you look back on the first five games and what sticks out to you?
1: Uh well yeah, I mean it seems crazy that it is only five games. You know, we've had uh rain out and you know, a four game series and then a one game series and a seventeen inning game and a ten inning game. So it's been a it's been a heck of a roller coaster so far for the Cubs in only five games, but what's really stood out to me is not the offense. Everything, you know, ebbs and flows in baseball, but it's been the starting rotation. I mean everybody thought that this pitching staff was going to be one of the best in baseball and adding Darvish to what already had Lester, Hendricks, Quintana, Chatwood, you know, they were thinking they were going to be able to take that next step forward and be in the 2016 range. And uh, they've gotten off to a poor start. Only two quality starts one time through the rotation. You know, I mean, Right now, Justin Wilson has more outs uh, than John Lester, which is really weird to to think uh, if you would have told a Cubs fan that at the end of 2017, they would have, you know, about like uh, crapped their pants, I would say. But... Um, yeah, it's just it's really been a weird start for the rotation, and that stood out to me more than anything.
2: Yeah, that's that's kind of how I describe the first series of Miami. Things were just kind of weird and off, and not exactly what we were anticipating. I'm looking at at Tony twenty three on the Twitter, and uh, you posted this through five games. The Cubs bullpen has gotten more outs seventy eight than the starting rotation seventy seven
1: yeah see exactly, and I mean, I know a lot of that is is based up of a seventeen inning game um when actually Kyle Hendricks delivered a quality start in that one you know gave up a run uh in six innings so um but yeah I mean Eddie Butler is the team leader in in, in innings right now and outs uh with seven um it, It's crazy to think that, and they all came in that one performance in extra innings, but yeah i mean it, it's just uh, been unreal so far, and you know nobody's prepared for that from Joe Maddens to Theo Epstein, to any of the players. It's just been wacky.
2: Yeah, weird start. And honestly, like I said, we're not going to overreact over five games, but before the season, I did say one of the keys was for the Cubs to start off strong. We saw last year, remember, there was all the festivities because of the World Series victory. It seemed like for the first month, there was something commemorating the victory, and they kind of got off to a slow start out of the gate last year, and it honestly, like that, that mattered. Like at the end of this season, they had some big time series against Milwaukee and St. Louis that actually mattered, and I think that that actually factored into the postseason when you saw a bullpen that was pretty, pretty taxed heading into the playoffs, and then especially after that five game set with the Nationals, um, you know, the slow start basically turned into a tighter divisional race down the stretch for the Cubs last year, and I think that did kind of. Affect them a little bit in the postseason. So it's it's not, yeah. I, obviously, not an ideal start here.
1: I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I think the Cubs agree with you. They have been saying, you know, all offseason that they admitted the bullpen was tired and they were taxed because they were used so much and especially used you know in all these tight and close games and that that does matter when you're out there in a one-run game as, a, as compared to a six or seven-run game it matters and, and it puts more stress on your arms and and it's more mentally taxing and uh so the fact that they got off to such a slow start affected the bullpen but they lo- relied on the bullpen a lot more last year than they wanted to and they wanted to get away from that mm. and then here we are in the first 5 games of of the regular season of the 2018 season and we're talking about how the bullpens got more outs in the starting rotation so yeah, you know it's not the way that they wanted to start it but it's been a necessity because of those extra inning games and the short starts by the by the rotation but, yeah, moving forward, they, they definitely need to get some rest and, and get off to a hotter start overall. You know, they can't be two games under 500 going to the all-star break again.
2: Yeah, 26 innings from the bullpen already. Uh, let's move to the offensive side of things. Ian Hap 10 strikeouts in his first 15 at-bats in the leadoff spot. Um, your thoughts on Hap batting leadoff? Are you concerned about the high strikeout rates? And, um, I mean, basically, going into the season, the, the leadoff spot, everyone wants that. To name, you know, to anoint somebody as the leadoff man, but the fact of the matter is, Joe Madden's probably just going to continue to play the matchups, and he's going to put Almora or Hap, depending on who the pitcher is on the mound. Ben Zobras will get into the mix. Um, I guess, just your thoughts on Hap and his his high strikeout rate so far through the first five games.
1: Yeah, I think it's just a matter of doing too much. That's what Madden has talked about anyways, not necessarily just with Hap, but Javi Baez as well. And you know what? Wilson Contreras, too. He's hitting four, and his numbers aren't as bad as Javi or Hap's are. But Contreras also, I think he has like eight strikeouts to one walk right now through five games and actually four games because he didn't even play at all on Sunday. And those are startling numbers. I mean, the Cubs are just striking out a lot more than they want to be right now and you know in general the, the high number of strikeouts you got to keep in mind they did play a 17 inning game and followed by a 10 inning game the next day so they do have one extra game they have like six games worth of at bats right. in innings so they're only averaging about 10 strikeouts per 9 innings uh which isn't overall awful but Definitely, I mean, Happ is a major issue. His contact, you know, he had that one great pitch, uh, great swing on the first pitch, and then since then has been a major problem. And moving forward, I mean, he has to to put the bat on the ball. He has to figure out his contact issues. Even if he's drawing walks or hitting homers, he still can't be striking out anywhere near the rate that he is now, or even half of this, if he's going to be in a leadoff spot.
2: Give me something positive that stood out to you through the first five games.
1: Well, the bullpen, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, and they were were really good to start last year, but they were definitely, like, public enemy number one in the Cubs fandom. You know, everybody was criticizing the bullpen, or Hector Rondon, or Madden's usage of the bullpen last year, and especially going into the postseason, and now this year, they've been fantastic. They've given up two earned runs in, in, like you said, 26 innings, and one of those earned runs... uh, was you know from Eddie Butler as he gave up a couple of base runners right before he departed and Brandon Morrow came in and threw two pitches and unfortunately that was it for for him and the Cubs but I mean it, it's incredible their ERA is .69 right now and they have been asked to do a lot Mike Montgomery's never worked three straight days in his big league career and just did it in the first three games of the season So all of these guys have been really, really impressive so far. So that's definitely a positive. And the other one is they're all healthy. So far nobody's hurt. Nobody's on the disabled list. You know, they've already made it. They're ahead of the game in 2016 because at this point, two years ago, Kyle Schwerber was already uh, out for the year with his knee injury. So it's kind of 2016 with the expectations, but they're ahead of the game in 2016 in the health department.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Back to the point where you and I were describing this start as weird, Going into the year, everyone's like, well, the offense will be fine. Look at that lineup. It's stacked. Everyone was like, okay, the starting five is pretty damn good. It's one of the best in baseball, probably a top three rotation in all of baseball. And the question marks were, like you said, the bullpen. And the bullpen yeah. has basically saved the day for them. It's baseball for you, yeah, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's been a hero so far, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, your thoughts on the Braves organist trolling Bryce Harper? If anybody missed this, Bob. Uh, Apparently the Braves organist kind of does zany stuff like this a lot, but anyways Bryce Harper was walking to the plate, and uh, the organist decided to um, play "Go Cubs, Go!" On the organ. Are you a Bryce Harper Cubs truther? One of those people that looks for like that stalks his his social media accounts and looks for any clue that he may be indicating he's coming to Chicago.
1: No, and not in that not that regard. Uh, definitely, I think there are a lot of reasons for optimism for Cubs fans in terms of Bryce Harper coming here. You know that the Cubs are going to be interested because it was very important to Theo Epstein, and he talked at winter meetings about his plans for next year and beyond. He used that kind of mysterious word like plans, and I mean that could mean anything, but it also could mean Bryce Harper or Manny Machado or whatever you know, Josh Donaldson. Who who knows this? You know, Clayton Kershaw, even if he opts out of his contract, this is a huge free agent class coming up. But Bryce Harper is a really great fit. I mean, imagine a lineup like this right now that you have bryce harper chris bryant anthony rizzo and you talk about strikeout issues harper went like 26 at bats into or plate appearances into this season before he even struck out for the first time so Mm -hmm. this guy is is incredible and keeps getting better um i'm not a truther per se but i thought this story in atlanta was hilarious Mm -hmm. the braves organist then played um like a yankee song in new york new york he played Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah yeah so
1: you know i it well, it's well so a let's let's
2: if it is a like legitimately out there. What has to ha- that, do they do they have to find a way to to move Hayward somehow or do or do like is it is it realistic or is it, are they just going to find a way to dish out three hundred four hundred million dollars without actually subtracting anybody from their payroll?
1: You know what they can do that. There's no salary cap. It's it would be crazy to think that. But, you know, if they've been planning, this would be two straight years, assuming they don't make you know trade for some exorbitant salary this year uh, they have about I think seven million dollars to play with to come under that threshold to again in the luxury tax mm-hmm. assuming they don't go over this is two straight years so the penalties wouldn't even impact them until 2020 if they signed Bryce Harper this winter or gave out a 400 million dollar contract so even with Jason hayward they can do it it's just a matter of whether Ricketts and the Cubs want to put that out there but I mean they're they're turning all of Wrigleyville like the hotels about to open they're turning this into a, a prime spot uh for around you know the holidays around the winter everything that's going on this place is Wrigleyville is going to be a place to be all throughout the year and they're just going to be printing money they they have to be like throughout this yeah. season especially if they win another World Series and that TV or deal
2: but, that's coming exactly yeah
1: so yeah it, you know it's the cash cow like, for kind of sure money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's interesting and. and Either way, I mean, they can move Hayward, too. He's not going to opt out, but if they did move Hayward, we're talking about even more of a possibility for Harper.
2: Bryce Harper watch will continue throughout the entire season, so we'll keep you guys posted. He's Tony Andracki. Read his stuff at com. Follow him on Twitter at TonyAndracchi23. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Anything you want to plug? Anything that you've uh, that people should be looking for to read at the website?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of this bullpen talk, I wrote it up and how Madden's planning on keeping them fresh for August and September. That's up right now on NBCSportsChicago.com.
2: Don't you guys have your own podcast, too, at the website?
1: We do, yeah, Cubs Talk podcast. Uh, Kelly Kroll and I uh, recorded one down in Miami this weekend. Cool.
2: All right, man. Well, I appreciate you jumping on. He's Tony Andraki. Read his stuff, follow him on Twitter, all that good stuff. I'll be uh, seeing you out at Wrigley uh, soon. Hopefully this home opener gets in on Monday, rain and snow in the forecast, so we'll see. But I'm sure I'll run into you soon, Tony. Thanks again for joining joining me. Appreciate
1: it. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.
2: That'll do it for Episode 5 of the Powell at the Park podcast. I'm Kevin Powell. Appreciate you tuning in. Please subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe, review, rate it. Google Play, you can listen, or WGNRadio.com. Appreciate you tuning in. Thanks to Tony Andracchi from NBC Sports Chicago. Read his stuff on their website, NBCSportsChicago.com. Thanks to Darren Jackson. Good White Sox conversation with DJ. You can hear him on every Sox call on WGN Radio, him and Farmio. And uh, follow me on Twitter at KPowell720. Plenty more baseball talk coming as the season it rolls on. Hopefully it gets warmer at some point and actually starts feeling like baseball season. But I'm just so pumped baseball's back. Thanks again for tuning in. Kevin Powell. Subscribe on iTunes. Review it. Rate it. Do it. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.